Do we have any anthropologists in the room? Just curious. Awesome, there's one back there. That's really cool to know. So I'm going to say things you already know, but everybody else, this will be new for them. Uh, There's this story about this anthropologist, and he'd been working with this remote African tribe. And he'd been in this village for kind of a long time. He, he actually stayed with them to learn their habits and to study them and to kind of dig into their culture. And so the day before he was supposed to return home, he had this idea. So he went around uh, to all these places and he gathered all of these fruits, these fruits that everybody loved, all the fruits from the region. And he put them in this beautiful basket And then he tied this beautiful ribbon around the basket. And there was this really large tree very near to the village that everybody knew about. And so he took that basket and he put it at the foot of the tree. And then he gathered all the kids from the village. And he says, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. And so he draws this line many feet away from the tree. He says, I want you all to stand on this side of the line. And when I say go, when I say run... I want you to run to the tree, and whoever gets there first gets the basket filled with all of the goodies. The kids' eyes lit up, of course. So he's like, okay. So, of course, it took him a while to get everybody behind the line, right? If you work with kids or animals, you know that's the case. You got to get everybody behind the line. He's like, okay. Ready? You guys ready? Yeah! Okay. Set! Run! And what happened then was amazing. When he told them to run, all of the kids took each other's hands. And they ran together as a group to the tree. And when they got to the tree, they gathered in this circle. And they all got to share in these treats as a group. And so the anthropologist, he was kind of shocked. And so he went to one of the kids and he's like, why would you all go together when one of you could have run first and be the one to have the fruit all to yourself? And this little girl said, how can one of us be happy if all the other ones are sad? The Africans have a word for this. And maybe you've heard this before, but the word is Ubuntu. And it means, I am because we are. Or in other words, people are not people without other people. Genesis 2.18 tells us that we were not meant to live alone, guys. You're probably familiar with this verse. If I can make it happen here. Here we go. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. And listen, I know the context a lot of times when we hear this verse You know, we apply it to marriage because Eve comes on the scene right after that. But I think this tells us more than that. I think this tells us that all people need relationships. Not every person, right, will be married. Not every person is meant to be married, but all people need relationships. And so just to to start where we should start, the relationship that we all need, right, is with Jesus. As our master, as our savior, if you're not following Jesus then your life is devoid of the direction and the purpose that you were made for, that you were created for, no matter who you are. It's no accident, as Brenda said, that you're here today. 
And so if it's the first time that you've heard that, or even the first time that you've considered that, that's where this all starts. Everything that I'm going to say after this hinges on that relationship, that relationship with Jesus. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13 says that our lives connect to our creator and to the promises that he's made to his people, to the Jewish people, right? That our lives connect to him and those promises through Jesus. That's how that happens for us. So as followers of Jesus, we cannot do what we've been commanded to do in our lives without that relationship. And we can't do it with even relationships with people. Relationships with child 801, for example. This kid needs a relationship with their parent right now. It's an important relationship, the child-parent relationship. Anyway, as followers of Jesus, we cannot do what we're commanded to do without relationships. Uh, You're probably familiar with these verses because we talk about them all the time. They're our mission, right? Matthew 22, 37 through 39. You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. And Jesus said, this is the first and the great commandment, but the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So love God with everything you have, with all of your heart, soul, mind, with all of your resources. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then, of course, we have this very shortly after when Jesus is about to take off, right? He's putting them in charge. And he's like, listen, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. These are commands, right? If he is our rabbi, so to speak, right, then we are his Talmudim, we are his disciples. And when your master gives you a commandment, it's a commandment for a reason because he's telling you this is what you're supposed to do, this is how you're supposed to live. But here's the thing. In both of these cases, you cannot do these things without other people, can you? You can't love your neighbor if you don't have a neighbor to love, if you don't have people. You can't make disciples without other people. People are important. Every follower of Jesus should pursue relationships. So the question then we have is, okay, well, what does that look like? What do those relationships look like? There's a passage that's in Acts, and if you hear, like, if you've grown up in the church, most of the time when we talk about the book of Acts, our go-to is, you know, when the Holy Spirit falls on that upper room and the disciples are speaking in tongues and everybody on the street hears Uh, the message of Jesus in their own language, like 80-something different languages with Jerusalem just packed to the gills with all of these people that are there to celebrate, right? That's what I usually think of, or that's what most of the time we talk about Acts, like that's the go-to. Or maybe we talk about when Peter, after that, is filled with the Spirit, and he goes and he busts out the gospel at the top of the stair, and like all of those people come to know Jesus through that. Like those are the two primary things that excite us or that we think about maybe when we go to this book of Acts. But as a kid, those weren't the ones that captured my attention. There was a passage, and it's in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And this is the bomb. This might be one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, but I've loved this ever since I was a child. And it starts like this. And they devoted themselves, they're talking about all of these people that had come to know Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And then it continues. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Over the next few weeks, guys, as we launch into this series, this is going to be our launch pad, really, this passage. We're going to be talking about it a lot and the things that we see there. Uh, we're going to explore why we exist as a church. Like, what is our purpose? Why are we here? I mean, yeah, love God, love other people together. I get it. But what does that mean? How does that look? How does that mission affect our personal lives? What should that look like? How, how do we uh, work that into all of the other commitments and things that we have going on uh, in our world? What does God want to do? And so the basic point is this today. God made each of us with the need for relationships. And those relationships are for our benefit, but also for the benefit of others. So if God made us, right, for the need, like he made us to need relationships, then it stands to reason that we probably should actively pursue those, right? If he made us to need those things and we know that we need them, then we need to go after those things. Otherwise, we risk missing out on the benefits that God offers when we choose not to engage in relationships, especially within our church body. So today, what I want to do is I want to take a look at a few of those benefits, as we call them. So the first one is this, the benefit of meeting our needs. God does that through relationships. Well, what kinds of needs are we talking about? Well, the first kind of needs, it seems pretty obvious, would be our physical needs. Uh, Acts 2.45, it says there that they were selling all their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That blows me away, right? Just a little bit. These people were so uh, consumed by what God was doing in their midst that if somebody else had a need, they would actually take stuff and they would sell it so that they could meet that need. And listen, in our lives, it's really easy for us. It's easy for me. I'll speak for myself. It's easy for me to be distracted by my problems. Anyone else on that page, right? You get all these things happening, Pulling you different directions, hard stuff happens, and it's very easy to become focused on those things. But I believe that God wants us as his people to be intentional in the way that we look to the needs of other people. I think that that's part of what he calls us to do. And one thing that I love about this church is you guys do that. I've seen it over and over and over again. If somebody has a physical need, it seems like someone's always stepping up to fill it. We send out an email, hey, this person needs a bed. Oh, I have one. This person needs meals. Hey, I can help. This person's car isn't working. Send them to Josh, right? <laughs> That's what we do. I love that we meet those needs. I've been in this church community, guys. I was thinking about this for almost 25 years. And I know that I look like I'm 18. But I've been here, a part of this church, in some way, shape, or form for almost 25 years. And what I've seen over that period of time, over that long haul, is God consistently making a way where there was no way. Over and over again. But here's what's cool to me. He does it through people. Every time. Like, it's not like somebody digs up a treasure in their backyard and it solves all their problems, although that would rock. <laughs> it's like God uses someone else to move into the situation. And he uses that person to change the situation. Sometimes lots of people, right? Buying groceries and providing meals. I've seen that happen. I've seen other people step up to pay the bills of people who can pay them. I've seen you guys invite other people to live in your homes with no parameters on how long that might last. I've seen it. 
I've seen you guys give possessions, sometimes the only one of what you had, to someone else who needed it. And then I've seen professionals offering their advice, offering their expertise, offering their labor, or their experience that many of us could not afford if they hadn't done that. Some of you guys know that um, Valerie and I have had this major issue with our foundation about four and a half, five years ago, right? And uh, it was a major, 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 I, can't, I don't have enough like adjectives to describe how hard that was, but uh, they had to put in like 22 something odd peers to make this happen, and it was uh, not good, but we got through it, and so then last Friday, Valerie sends me these pictures where we see that mud is coming into our basement on the other side, and let me just say that I can't tell you how soul-crushing that discovery was, like it was hard, and so... um, We just said, you know what, too bad, we're leaving town anyway. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to do that, right? So we did. And then we came back. But here's what was cool and what continues to be cool about this. Something beautiful happened. I didn't think I'd be emotional about this, but I am. You guys, some of you found out, I don't know how. You immediately started calling to see what you could do. You started texting us to let us know that you were praying for us, which thoughts and prayers, I'll take that all day. I don't care what other people say because I know the power of prayer. You started texting us to let us us know that you were praying. You started asking, how can I come help? Sometimes we don't know the answer to that question right away, but we're still waiting through what that looks like for the long road. But having you guys with us makes a difference. It does. How many times have you been in a place in your life where knowing somebody else at least had your back? That that was like, wow. Okay, I've got that. I can do this. So God meets our needs, our physical needs through relationships. And you know, I've seen that in your stories too. I know many of your stories. And I know that God has done those exact same things for you. And I think that that's the beauty of what God does within a church community. Christians are empowered by the Holy Spirit, guys, to be the conduit God most often uses to meet the needs of others. And I say most often because I don't want to, sometimes he does some really supernatural things that involve no people. But Christians are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the conduit that God most uses to meet the needs of others. He meets those physical needs, And then he also, through relationships, can meet our emotional needs. Acts 2, 46, we go back to that. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, I love this, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Notice, they were spending their daily lives together. They're hanging out at the synagogue, and they're hanging out in each other's homes. And they received with glad and generous hearts. Can you imagine how exciting that must have been to see God doing all these things? 
I mean, how exciting it would have been to find the answer to all the questions that you've ever had in the Messiah and Jesus and in his life. But then to see that actually bubbling up in this little community and all these cool things that God was doing and these relationships that these followers of Jesus had with each other, they brought joy to their hearts. Can we always say the same for the relationships that we have with other Jesus followers? Probably not. But we should be able to say that. That's my point. We need each other. And the relationships that we have within this community, they can meet our emotional needs as well. And now more than ever, we're beginning to understand how when we neglect those emotional needs in our lives, that it can have uh, long-lasting consequences and it can impact all the other areas uh, of our life. Studies show that Americans are lonelier than ever, which is crazy to me if you think about how connected we are when it comes to uh, electronics and social media. But yet we're lonelier than ever. And guess what? Our loneliness is killing us. Social isolation in all adults is linked to a number of physical and mental ailments, sleep disorders, high blood pressure, increased risk of of depression and suicide, psychological distress. In 2004, and I'm sure that this number is higher now, 25% of Americans didn't have anyone they could talk to about serious matters in life. There was no one that they could call, no one that they could trust, if they were going through something hard, that they could talk to about it. So relationships within, especially the body in the church, are supposed to offer emotional support to people. We're supposed to be there for our brothers and sisters. Philippians 2.4 says that we are to follow Jesus in making the needs of others a priority in our lives. We are to be people who seek to look out for others and comfort them when they're going through something difficult. Scripture tells us to mourn with those who mourn. To encourage those who need it. And really the overarching story, God's story, whole Bible is that everyone needs to know that they're loved and that they were created for a purpose and that they matter to God. Having friends with us and knowing that we're not alone sometimes makes all the difference, especially in the times when we feel like giving up, right? Having that one person that was in your corner. So friends, help us meet those emotional needs. And let me just say that If you're here today and those things that I'm saying, those are foreign to you. Like, I don't have anyone that I could call. Talk to me afterwards. Grab an elder. Go back to those tables where you'll see connect groups people because it shouldn't be that way. We want to be a community of people that love other people and that we can be there for each other. And so we also have spiritual needs, of course, that God meets through relationships. Again, back to our passage in Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe, I love that, and awe of what God was doing came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now we're going to talk about this uh, section of our spiritual needs probably more in the coming weeks. So I don't want to go over it too much. But I'll just say this, that relationships within the church provide us things like discipleship. We're supposed to be disciples. Uh, Teaching, training, prayer, wise counsel, and of course, encouragement. Relationships within the church help us to continue growing in the Lord. 
And we share in this benefit of meeting people's needs and also having our needs met within the church community. So that's the first benefit, meeting our needs. Relationships also have the benefit of giving us strength. And I'm going to jump to Ecclesiastes 4 here. Two are better than one, especially when we're talking about candy bars. (laughs) No amens on that? Come on, seriously? Okay. (laughs) Two are better than one, just making sure that you're with me. So uh, in their cooperative efforts to yield disadvantage, if one of them falls, the other will help his partner up. Woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no one to help him up. And again, if two people sleep together, they keep each other warm. But how can one person be warm by himself? Moreover, if an attacker may defeat someone who is alone, but two can resist him, and a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. The other night we were telling camping stories. And how uh, sometimes if you go camping and you're unprepared for maybe a cold spell that night, how, like... There's no cold that's colder than being cold in a tent when you're camping. At least that's my opinion. Because, like, you know you need to sleep and you want to sleep, but you can't sleep because your body just keeps doing this. And so one time when we went to Colorado, uh, we got surprised a little bit, and we were just freezing our rears off. And so by the time it was said and done, the two flannel sleeping bags were zipped together. We had at least one child in there. Like, it was just everybody was freezing. And it's true. Like, how do you keep warm? How do you do these things? How? Strength. We need the strength through other people and through these experiences. And so, listen, here's the deal. Following Jesus isn't easy. And so if somebody told you when they gave you the sales pitch at the very beginning, right? They said, ah, come to Jesus and he's going to solve all your problems. I'm not saying that's not true, but what I am saying is that it's not easy. Jesus promised us that it wouldn't be easy to follow him. In fact, I would state that it's near impossible to follow Jesus all alone or on your own. Right? We've heard people say it. Just me and Jesus, that's all I need. I've got the TV preacher and I am good. That's not how this is supposed to work. Jesus knew this. What did he do? He formed a group, a group of disciples, these people that could learn his teachings and follow his example together long after he was gone. And listen, it's almost certain, guys, that we're going to fall down. At some point, we're going to fall down. And from time to time, as this uh, writer here in Ecclesiastes says, we're going to need help. We're going to need somebody to help us up. And so maybe, you've, you know, maybe we're talking about physically falling down, especially like on skate night, church skate night, right? We need a lot of help getting up. True? Amen? Yeah? So we might physically fall down, but what about falling down emotionally? times that I've fallen down emotionally, there have been some of those times that it was only possible for me to get back up through the support of other people. But one of the biggest challenges that we face, of course, is when we fall down spiritually. And so if you follow recent news, you might have seen that there have been some what I would call high-profile Christians who are now calling themselves former Christians And I don't know every part of those situations, and so I'm not going to speak to those situations, but here's what I would say. The people that we surround ourselves with make a difference. And the people that we do surround ourselves with can have a huge impact in those moments when we fall spiritually. 
having somebody to walk with you. We need friends that will stop with us on the road, right? The road of discipleship. We need friends that will stop with us on the road and will stay with us until we regain our footing in Jesus. But lots of times as believers, we don't do that, do we? Like, dude, I'm power walking. I'm sorry, dude, I can't stop. Seriously, come on. We gotta stop. We gotta help our brother, help our sister back to their feet and walk with them. We glorify God with our lives, guys, when we love and we bless others. We grow and we develop better as Christians when we walk with others. And so pursuing Jesus with others strengthens us and it allows us to learn more, to be better equipped, to be regularly inspired, to be empowered to go against the flow of everything else that's happening in the world and stand up for the things that are right, to be emboldened to speak the truth. And also to be encouraged when we're forging a path through a world that can be difficult. Now listen, it doesn't mean that relationships can't be messy. Listen, we, we live in messy. It is what it is. It's messy. Life's messy. It doesn't mean that relationships will be comfortable, always. It doesn't mean that relationships will always be easy. But here's what I would propose today. God uses relationships with other people to refine us. If you think about a refiner, somebody that works with precious metals, you know, like gold or silver, when they find, like, in the ground some gold or some silver, when they pull that out of the ground, it's not in its final form, right? If you've ever seen it, it usually doesn't even look like much. Uh, In fact, there's probably a lot more trash and dirt and other rocks mixed up in that thing and so the refiner has to get that gold or that silver out of all those other rocks in order for it to be useful something he can use to fashion into jewelry or to make giant gold bricks or whatever they do with it right so he puts it in a refining furnace and it heats up to the super hot temperature and as that happens All of the impurities, all of the rocks and the dirt and those kinds of things all come up to the top of that refining furnace. And so the refiner will scoop all that stuff. It's called dross. Scoop it right off the top. And that's a process that that continues to happen. The heating and cooling and the heating and the cooling until that gold or that silver is pure and it can be used for its purpose, right? But gold and silver are only refined, guys. When heat is applied. And the same thing is true of our lives. It's the heat of life that refines us. The difficulties of our lives apply heat and pressure. And listen, a lot of times these often involve relationships, don't they? Right? If you've got a problem, more than likely there's a person connected to that problem, isn't it? Or maybe you are the problem. Either way, God wants to use those situations to refine us. That's how uh, the gold of our lives, so to speak, happens. Through relationships. Living with other people through shared trials and joys of our lives strengthens us. It should anyway. 
mentoring and coaching and training that come from a loving community also have the benefit of giving us strength. And so relationships in our church have that benefit of strengthening us. And so there's a third benefit that I want to talk about today before we go, and it's the benefit of developing our character. There it is. The benefit of developing our character. And we're going to jump to Proverbs 27:17. You probably heard this before, and it was probably in a men's retreat. Just unless you're a woman, then you didn't hear it in a men's retreat. You heard it from your husband or some other guy when they came home. Anyway, Proverbs 27:17. Just as iron sharpens iron, a person sharpens the character of his friend. That's how we say it at the men's retreat. Just as iron sharpens iron. A person sharpens the character of his friend. (laughs) Okay, I want to prepare you for what I'm about to say. Because for some of you, this may be a surprise. You might be shocked. This actually may rock your world. And so I'm going to share this with you, and at risk, I'm going to go ahead and say it. This may be a surprise to you. But God's goal for your life is not for you to be happy all the time. (laughs) I didn't write it, so. Scripture, right? Well, you're like, okay, where's that in Scripture? Show me, because there's lots of happiness and joy when I read the Psalms. Have you read them all? Sometimes in the same Psalm. God, you're the best. God, I hate this. Right? That's David's story pretty much. If God wanted us to be happy all the time, guys, I'm convinced that Scripture would be a lot different. Let's just go straight to Jesus' story. How about that one? You think he was happy about everything that happened to him? No. There were moments of great struggle. There were trials. People disappointed him all the time. There was great suffering. And even Jesus wanting things to be different than they were, right? When he prays, Father, if there's any way that we could do this another way, I would very much like that. However, right? That great however there. However, not my will, but your will be done. He submitted to the will of his Father. Because it was God's plan for relationship with all people that was most important. That's what God wanted, relationship with all of us. Our relationship to God is connected to our relationship with other people, believers in the room. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother or sister, he or she is a liar. For the one that does not love his brother, whom he's seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And this commandment we have from him, just to top it off, because that's how John is, that the one who loves God should also love his brother, just in case you didn't get what I just said, basically, is what he's saying. If you love God, you should love your brother. If we want to grow in relationship with God, then we need to grow in our relationship with others. Relationships are designed by God to build our character to be more like Jesus. In fact, every single thing that's happening in your life right now, and I know some of you are going through some stuff, all of it, God wants to use it 
I'm not saying he's cursing you. I'm not saying he's making all these things happen. What I am saying is that God wants to use these moments in our lives to build our character to be more like Jesus. It's God's goal for our lives for us to look more like Jesus. Okay, think about it this way. How do you get more patience in your life? You wait, don't you? How do we learn to have peace in our lives? We learn to practice it in what? Stressful situations. How do we learn gentleness, or as I would call it, humility in our lives? We learn that by laying aside our preferences to serve other people. How do we learn to love? I mean, really love. We learn that. Number one, by experiencing the love and the forgiveness of God. But then also by offering that same love and forgiveness to other people. So if we abandon relationships, and again, we can attach some caveats to that, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to say this. If we abandon relationships when things get difficult, we can miss out. We can miss out on what God wants to do, we can miss out, we can shortcut God's character development in our lives if we're constantly running from situations that are hard. And if we avoid relationships altogether, what we do is we miss out on what God wants us to use, what God uses the most to make our character more like Jesus. God placed the desire to be loved and to have a relationship in every person's heart. Every one of you, every one of us, anyone that can hear my voice on the podcast, anyone that you will encounter on the street today, tomorrow, or throughout the week, God has placed the desire to love and to be loved, to have a relationship in that person's heart. Maybe you're someone that's here and you consider yourself to be antisocial. People are just something that you put up with. Or maybe you're an introverted person. And so there's a part of you that being around people actually drains you. And that's a real thing. The truth is that deep down inside, even if you fit into those categories, you know that you still desire relationship with people, that you still love people, that you need relationship in your life if you want to be everything that God has called you to be. We want every person at Desperation Church. That's our goal. This is our goal. Every person to be connected with others and engaged in community. That's what we want. And so Sunday mornings like this are good, hopefully, right? But they're good for building relationships. But it's very limited, right? It's a very limited amount of time. It's kind of a weird setup because if you're talking to your neighbor, it draws a lot of attention to you, and then you end up teaching the sermon that week because that's how I roll. Try me sometime and see what happens. Someone's like, well, I'd love to teach. Look, I'm going to do it. We're limited here on Sunday mornings, but, and we're busier than ever, right? I look out here and I, I see the soccer practices on your Instagram and your Facebook. I see all of the various things that you have going on in your lives and that I also have going on in my life. And it's like, how in the world do we do this? How do we make this need that we have for relationships a priority in our lives? And so that's a big part of why we are introducing connect groups. That's 
really the need that we're hoping to meet. We want this to be the next step in you forging relationships with other people within this body, a body of believers, people who love Jesus and that are doing their best to follow him. And so we believe that this is crucial in our mission to follow God the way that we should. Loving God and loving other people together, we're basically emphasizing that together part at the end of that mission statement because it's required, it's needed. And so in order for that to happen, we got to find a way to cut away at least some of the distractions from our busy schedules and get people together. So some of the other things that we've learned, because we've done small groups in the past, you know, and in the past it was always, well, you know, you need to come small groups because you really need intimate one-on-one accountability relationships with people. And like 75% of the men, that just scares the crap out of them when you say those words, right? And then somebody that's not a part of church or a visitor or something, they're just like, I don't even know what this cult is, but I am not in, right? I just said that. But you know what I'm saying? Like you say these words, and especially if people don't have the context, it's really weird. But here's the thing that, that we're learning. It's like friendships are organic. Like you can't force people to be friends. It's like, you know... Your mom or your dad making you tell your sister you're sorry, your brother you're sorry after you just whacked him with something. Sorry, right? You're not really sorry. You're just doing it because you have to. Friendships are organic. They form organic. You cannot force intimacy on people. And so our goal is just to get people together and see what happens. Uh, Another thing we've done in the past is we've tried to keep these groups small, again, to preserve the intimacy, right? Intimacy is not a bad thing, by the way. But we've tried to make this thing happen. But the reality is, larger groups that are only maybe limited by, you know, the resources available or the place where you're having the group, but with the only requirement being, hey, just show up. We're not even going to make you talk. Like, if you don't want to answer a question, if you don't want to say anything, just hang out with other people that that can actually help everybody, extroverts, introverts, and ambiverts. Sometimes I feel like a nut, sometimes I don't. It's real. Look it up, ambiverts. Sometimes people give you great joy in life, and sometimes people suck the life out of you, right? Some of us exist. Some of you are in this room. You're my people. But listen. When you're not putting this tiny little cap on the group, you're saying, listen, everybody just come, just hang, just be. One person might do some talking. We're just going to hang out and be friends. It makes everybody feel more comfortable. And so there's some other things that are different with these groups. I'm not going to go through all those right now, but I do invite you today after we're done, just to go back to that back table. Just check it out. Anything that looks interesting, sign up for it. It's a grand experiment. If you hate those 12 weeks, sign up for something different next time. If you love those 12 weeks, find the group that the people that you really liked were in and go do that. There are no rules. Maybe you've got an idea for a group. Maybe you're like, you know what? I would love to have a horseshoe gaming group. Listen, if you can get people to sign up for that, we will make sure that it happens. Okay? Again, the goal is just getting people together. Like, well, Pastor Bill, how is that spiritual? Do you think all these people in Acts 2 were just hanging out praying the whole time? You know, the other day I was down at the market, and you should have seen what, 
Rashid did with this goat, it was crazy. Like, he had him up like this, and he was making him dance around. It was the best. Because that's what life looks like with other people, okay? We're not trying to fake anybody out here. We're just human beings. I just want to bring people together and let God do what he does, okay? We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to say, you just come in here, you rock this place. We're going to show up, you do it. Because that's what happens anyway, right? This razzle-dazzle is not saving the kingdom, okay? It's the Holy Spirit that comes in and sweeps through our lives, sweeps through hearts. He's the only one that can change hearts. We just want to get those hearts together. That's our goal. So look at the table back there. Or you can check out the website. We have a brand new connect button. And it's right there. You can read everything that we have so far up there. But here's the deal. This is it. The point is this, that we need each other, guys, and we are designed to be better together. That's how we were made. God created us that way. And so if we avoid that, if we say no to that, what we're doing is we're saying no to what we were created to be. And that's just kind of a weird place for us to be. And we'll never be satisfied. Ubuntu. I am because we are. People are not people without other people. And so I have one last thing I want to share with you guys, and then we're all done. And it's this. There's a TED conference in San Francisco in December 2013. And... Author Boyd Varty, who's a South African man, gave this beautiful story about what it was like to grow up in a household that knew activist Nelson Mandela. In fact, when he was released from prison, he actually stayed on the compound where Boyd and his family lived. And so as a young man, he got to know him. But he shared this, and I invite you to look it up. If you download my notes uh, this week, all of the links are there, and you can watch the video for yourself. But he shared this, and I think it's important for us. Ubuntu means our own well-being is deeply tied to the well-being of others. Danger is shared. Pain is shared. Joy is shared. Achievement is shared. Houses are shared and food is shared. God made us to need each other, guys. This, this is what his heart looks like. And this is what our church can and should be. We have to be connected because we're better together. Would you guys bow your hearts with me? Oh, Father God. just want to first and foremost thank you for our relationship with Jesus. Because without him, none of this would be possible. The promises that you've made to your people, the calling that you've placed on our lives, but also the joy of the love and the forgiveness that you so freely extend to us. None of this would be possible without a relationship with Jesus. And so thank you for him. We also thank you for making others in your image and blessing us with the joy of living life with other people to share it with, God. For those of us that are married and have spouses in our lives, God, that do so much, 
and love us. Thank you for them. Thank you for the friendships that you've given us in our life and the friendships throughout the course of our lives, God. Friendships that shape us to be who the, you want us to be from the ones, the very beginning of our lives, God, to the ones that we have now. God, the most joy-filled moments that I can remember in my life always include others. Yet far too often, I'm reluctant to share the other parts of my life, the pain of my life, the struggle of my life. I just pray that you would form us into a church and a people that look like Jesus. that no matter what anyone else could say about this place, that everyone would say, all I know is that those people love Jesus with all they've got and they love each other with all that they've got. May we be those people, God. And for those of us today that maybe we're struggling, maybe we don't have those relationships in our lives. I pray for each and every person in this room that you would bring that into their life, God, that you would bring that person, that couple, that family, whatever that need is there, God, that the group of people that they can walk with, I pray that you would send. And I also pray, God, that you would strengthen the relationships that we have with one another as well. We love you and we pray that you would be the center of everything that we say, everything that we do with our lives. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.